the My Cancer, My Choices podcast, a spotlight on men and cancer. So welcome to My Cancer, My Choices podcast. I'm Mandy Barter. I'm the co-founder of My Cancer, My Choices. And uh, this afternoon I'm with Matt Williams, who is the director of the Samaritans in Oxford. Um, and Matt and I got chatting one day about uh, men's health and he said, actually, I know lots about this and about why men don't access health services and men in general in health. So I said, could you come along and talk to us and our podcast? And so thank you for being here. Here I am. Um, here you are. So tell me, Matt, why... Um, well, let's start from the beginning. You, you have been a Samaritan for how long? So I've been a Samaritan volunteer for 10 years. Yeah. Um, one of the best things I've ever done with my time. Mm-hmm. Um, I got very interested in Samaritans, um, got very inspired by the people who trained me, by my fellow volunteers, and I got really stuck in. I became the branch publicity officer, I became director for outreach, um, and 10 years later, um, I have the privilege of being the director for Oxford Samaritans. Oh, congratulations, because that's a fairly new appointment, isn't it? It is, yeah. 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 And you get paid absolutely nothing. Nothing for, for the privilege, yes. <laughs> yeah. the, that being a yeah. yeah belonging to a charity but uh but what do you get out of it where do you, where, you know where do you begin yeah. kind of thing um you know it's it, it's i'm working with amazing uh, volunteers with a fantastic group of people um being a samaritan itself uh, I, I you know people often ask me is it a depressing thing no it's mm-hmm. not depressing what i hear on the phone um you know is incredibly depressing and hard to hear but the act of listening of being alongside somebody in their darkest moments, uh, really listening. It's an incredibly intimate thing. It's a very human thing, um, and it's always life affirming. I invariably puts all the problems I have in my life into perspective, um, and it's a great thing. I'd recommend it to anybody if you, you know, interested in other people. Uh, I want to make a difference. Mm. I think you really can as a Samaritan. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, because you were talking earlier and you said that you want your volunteers, not only, you said empathy and compassion are a given, yeah. um, but you want them to be courageous. I do. Uh, yes. And I think that's such a great word. Just yeah. it, it, tell me about it. Of course, that. yeah. I mean, yeah. I think, you know, people's perceptions of what Samaritans do uh, might be that we're, you know, we're warm, caring people, mm. nice people, perhaps. Mm. Um, like I say, I should, I should hope that's kind of a given, that's a, yep. that's a base level, um, and what I really want is courage, and that's the courage to ask difficult questions, mm. the courage to hear and acknowledge difficult answers, mm-hmm. and not to run away, to really pursue that, to ask and stay with that person, and really hone in on Focus on the difficult stuff mm-hmm. because all the light at the end of the tunnel type stuff, or mm-hmm. it'll get better, or have mm-hmm. you thought about? You know, you can get that's ten a penny in the real world. Mm-hmm. Actually, when people call Samaritans, I think it's not a conversation as such, but it's an interaction between two people. Yeah. And you know, we do something which I suppose you'd call steering into distress, yeah. and that's not something you can do lightly. Um, I think you have to give of yourself, and actually, I would hope that at the end end of every duty that somebody should actually feel quite tired having listened mm. and really been present and really been alongside people and that takes courage. So yeah, absolutely, courage is what we want. Um, how, how long have you obviously got a lot of training as a yeah. Samaritan? Um, so how long is the training? Okay, so the training uh, is just about to change but um, 
but actually training as a Samaritan takes some time mm -hmm. it has to you have to be really prepared to deal with very very difficult situations mm -hmm. uh, and how to respond to them um, so what happens is you'd apply, you get invited to um, what's called an information evening, you find mm -hmm. out about Samaritans. Because mm -hmm. actually it's not for everyone, mm -hmm. it really isn't, no. you know. Mm -hmm. um, if you still want to apply, you do, and we'd invite you to a selection morning, I think it is now, um, and you'd meet other people who want to volunteer, and you're really doing sort of little, little um, exercises, finding out whether it's for you, if we like you, if you still want to be in. Uh, you get interviewed by two volunteers and then the training can begin. Mm -hmm. We tend to run three trainings uh, a year. Mm -hmm. That may extend to four, we'll mm -hmm. see. But um takes about, it's sort of six, it's, the new training is going to be six um, training sessions, um, which is almost half as long as it used to be, mm -hmm. uh, but they're very intensive. And in between those six sessions, you would have um, online training modules as well. Okay. So you're really trying to kind of condense it into that. Um, the training doesn't finish there. You're then paired with a mentor. Mm -hmm. Your mentor then sits alongside you. Um, you'd probably hear them take calls to begin with on the first shift, and then they'd listen to you taking calls. It's the only time that another person listens into a, a phone call is okay. when the, the mentoring's happening. Right. And that'll happen over maybe five, six initial duties. Then you, you start taking calls by yourself. Mm -hmm. um, and after six months of that, you are looking at becoming a fully fledged member of, of, of the branch, a right. fully trained Samaritan, you lose your probation status. Yeah. So really, I'd take, take, the process takes about a year, yeah. um, realistically, uh, and it has to. Oh, absolutely. You know, and you hope that every single, you know, I've done a lot of training in my life, the Samaritan's training that I've received was incredible, I was really inspired by it, um, I had a great mentor, and actually now, I really love mentoring, um, because you see somebody who, naturally is very nervous taking their first calls mm -hmm. really trying to find their feet really trying to put that training into action mm -hmm. not wanting to mess up mm -hmm. you know um and really we're encouraging them to be really warm mm -hmm. and really being alongside the you know the person on the end of the phone mm -hmm. and you see people flourish um some some people i've mentored and they've been brilliant from the word go uh, other people need you know time and reflection and input um, but it's lovely to see people do it, and I want anybody who volunteers to be a, a Samaritan to get the sort of the, the enjoyment, and I do enjoy it. You know, I find it rewarding, I find mm. it satisfying, but there is an enjoyment mm. to it. Well, you wouldn't um, have done it. I wouldn't. I would, I'm not a masochist. Do you know what I mean? It's like you know, ten years of doing yes, this. Yeah. You know, I've, you know, I've got a lot going on in my, yeah. in my life. I've got yeah. 101 other things I yeah. could be doing. Yeah. Um, if I didn't enjoy it, it'd be a poor do. So. I genuinely want people to enjoy it as much as I do. Well, you, you do a fantastic job. Thank you. Yeah, really do. And the reason we got chatting is because I, obviously through the charity, um, we support people well, um, all, with all types of cancers, mm. and men and women, right from the very start of their diagnosis. Yeah. But what I uh, found, and we've been running the charity since 2015, is that um, less men were yeah. accessing the, the service, and that's how we got chatting. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, so, I, so I was saying why, mm. and what, what about in the Samaritans, um, in terms of Absolutely. your callers, yeah. um, do you get more women? Than well, this is the interesting thing, of course. So, um, you know, Oxford branch, in terms of our volunteers, we're two-thirds female, one-third male. That's not, not a bad balance, yeah. you know, yeah. some branches 
um, do better, some do, do far worse. Mm-hmm. Uh, my real issue is that 75% of suicide in the UK, mm-hmm. you know, this year, mm-hmm. is male. Mm-hmm. Um, in 2014, it was 78% of mm-hmm. suicide was male. Mm-hmm. That's about 12 men a day in the UK, which is far too many. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 75% of the people who call Samaritans are not men. Um, might be 50-50. I don't know. My real concern is that Samaritans offer a service which on paper should really speak to men. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Tick all the boxes in terms of male help seeking. So we're confidential, yeah. we don't tell anybody, we're anonymous, mm-hmm. no names, you know, you don't have to give your name, mm-hmm. we don't have to give our name, it's not, you know, that's not a big deal. And it's open twenty four hours a day. Mm-hmm. Um, so if a man wants to pick up the phone and call, it's a free phone number as well. Mm-hmm. You know, he will speak to somebody who will listen to him, not needing to know his name, even if they do know the name, they're not going to tell anybody about what they're talking about. Mm-hmm. Whatever you say to Samaritan stays within mm-hmm. Samaritans, as it yeah. were. It doesn't, doesn't go. So that is a service which really on paper should tick all the boxes for men. And yet I often speak to men, um, you know, latterly I speak to men and say, you know, have you ever thought about calling Samaritans? And invariably, I work in the NHS in my day job, mm-hmm. uh, the same is true of that. Have you thought about going, talking to somebody in the NHS? Have you, talked, have you thought about talking, phoning Samaritans? Yeah. And a lot of guys say, no. Mm-hmm. And I say, that's interesting, why not? Mm. I just don't think it's for me. Um, I, what, what about older people? What about kids? What about, you know, all the other people who need the service? There's this perception mm. that Samaritans... There's also a perception, of course, that Samaritans is for people who are just about to end their life. Yeah. I would say 25% of our callers are um, have suicidal thoughts. Mm-hmm. The calls are around suicide and suicidal thoughts and feelings. But 75% of our callers are not. They're people who are just going through a difficult time, want to talk to somebody, just want to let out whatever they're feeling. Um, but I think that message isn't necessarily understood by men. Mm-hmm. And that men feel, well, things are bad in my life, but they are not that bad. So it's a really interesting thing, and just to, to sort of bring you up to where you know what turned me on to the whole issue of uh, of, of of men and male help seeking. Yeah. I was at a male uh, psychology conference in London, um, and I heard Jane Powell talk. And Jane, um, incredible person, she was involved in the Green and Common movement. She's really about equality. Mm-hmm. You know, um, she believes she's you know she's against any inequality wherever yeah. it happens yeah. and if 75 or 78% it was percent of suicide is male that is yeah. and you know that's inequality yeah. in action yeah. it means that suicide is a gendered issue yeah. and she formed the campaign against living miserably ah, okay? calm. calm amazing exactly was it her gosh it was right, right. so she began the calm zone yeah. in merseyside when um, in the kind of I kind of guess late 90s, early 2000s, when male suicide on Merseyside was really going up in the northwest. Mm. Um, and she put up one slide, and it just had a piece of toilet paper, and scrawled on it was, feeling shit, question mark, yeah. call calm. Brilliant. And I was elated, literally elated, because at last, somebody is saying something that resonates, that speaks to me. Mm-hmm. I sometimes worry, you know, I love Samaritans, don't get me wrong, you know, mm-hmm. Cut me through yeah. the middle, and it got Samaritans <laughs> running through me. But I, you know, because we listen to anybody and everyone, mm. it means our target, target audience is really kind of no one. Mm. And you, you think about specifics, so it can be a bit sort of anodyne. Mm. 
feeling shit, we all know what that means. Mm. And that's where men respond to. It's using, it's a touch of humour, it's a reverence, yeah. but it's in your face. It's, yeah. There's no messing about. Yeah. It's not a, oh, are you feeling sad? Are you yes. feeling down? Are you yeah. a bit blue? You know, so that's, I really, that really turned me on to mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. Um, I had recently become a father um, and I had a little boy. Mm. And there's nothing like, uh, um, you know, really kind of thinking about what sort of man do I want my son to grow up to be? What sort of man am I? Mm. What sort of father was my dad to me? Mm. This is really tricky. I have to really think about this. What, you know, and I think, you know, there's all talk about toxic masculinity and all of these things. There are many, many great things about manhood and being a man. Um, and it really made me think about, about that. So that kind of really got, 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 you know, and when I found out that 78% of suicide was male and then I thought about the service that Samaritans provide and I think, well, why aren't 78% of our callers male? really got me thinking. So that's, that's how I got involved. And I helped to mm-hmm. establish the Calm Zone in Oxfordshire, Buckinghamshire, Berkshire, Milton Keynes as well. Wonderful. Um, so yeah, so a really important thing. And 78%, is it men under 40? Uh, no, it's, it's, well, it's an interesting, it's an interesting um, issue. Right. Because statistics can be, yeah. um, you know, a, yeah. a really difficult to sort of pin down. Yeah. So uh, currently in the yeah. UK, 75% of all male, uh, of all suicides male. Yeah. Um, the person most likely to end their life by suicide are men aged between 35 and 55. Right. So it's men in midlife. Right. The peak age of suicide in men is about 44 years. Yeah. So really bang in the middle of your 40s. And there's all sorts of reasons why that's the case. Mm-hmm. Um, and overwhelmingly, you know, when you look at all the statistics, um, these are men in midlife, uh, possibly, um, you know, in employment, but there's usually um, marital breakdown, relationship breakdown. Yeah. There's several factors. Often these men are living by themselves. There's all sorts of reasons for it. But suicide is the leading cause of men under the age of 50. Right. Okay? That's not to say that men over 50 don't end their lives uh-huh. by suicide in high numbers. Mm-hmm. It's just that other things, uh, cardiovascular disease, cancer, mm-hmm. will tend to pick off men yeah. more than suicide. Yeah. So there's a real worry that people sort of think, well... Um, certainly in the 80s there was a lot of youth or early 20s suicide and sadly as that cohort's grown up um, they've continued to end their life in larger numbers Um, what's really worrying to me today is that we're now starting to see young suicide on the rise again after a 20 year drop Um, and if there is this scarring effect where men who killed themselves in their late teens and 20s in the 80s and now killing themselves in later life, mm. will we see the same thing again? Um, so it's a very, you know, and suicide is an incredibly complex area. Yeah. You know, there is no simple solution to it. Yeah. There are many, you know, a- every single one is, is different. Yeah. Um, but if you're talking about what leads men, um, you know, not talking, not seeking help, seeking help too late, yeah. is actually lethal yeah. in men. Yeah. And tragically, you hear so often you know, a guy will eventually go to the doctor and, of course, the doctor will say, OK, well, we'll refer you to cognitive behavioural therapy, to a therapist, mm-hmm. but you have to wait six weeks for your appointment. Right. That guy may not have six days. Do you know what I mean? So it really matters. And, you know, it's not just about making services accessible to men. It's about allowing men to really be able to express themselves. Yeah.
And that's so, what I want. Yeah. But by the time they've actually got to that position where yeah. they are going to the doctor, that is... Yeah, that's crisis point. That's crisis that's point crisis for them. Point. Yeah. That's really interesting because that's yeah. exactly what Mark was saying earlier, that it, it just they take a much longer time yeah. to actually get to that place. Yeah. Yeah. And, as, and again, it's, it's for, for a multitude of reasons. It's the same with Samaritans. So there I am saying to guys, have you ever thought about calling Samaritans? And they say mm. no. Mm. And we get talking about it. And then they sort of think, well, actually, maybe I, I could call. Mm. Um, you know, and it only takes, I would say, it only takes men to have one bad experience. You know, maybe somebody misunderstands or maybe they don't feel they get the support they want. The phone could go down. Guess what? They ain't calling Samaritans again. Mm. Um, same with the doctor. The doctor is, is, doesn't understand. And often, you know, it's that door handle conversation that men have. Da 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 da. Just as they're leaving, oh, doctor, just one more thing. Mm. Um, and so we need to find ways to make it okay for men to talk, um, because I don't believe, you know, whenever, whenever, you know, and you know, male help seeking, male suicide is a bit of a hobby horse for me mm. because I think it's really important that people know about yeah. it. Um, you know, but, it's, but it's really important and people often say to me well men don't talk well actually men certain men are capable of talking men are able to articulate quite complex emotions very complex emotions as well as anybody else the issue is for men is that often um, it's not safe for them to really be open what, what I mean by that is it could be relationship ending mm -hmm. If I, as a man, turn to you as my partner and say, I'm really struggling, I don't think I can carry on, you are going to view me differently. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> Certainly my perception is that you will. Mm -hmm. If I tell my employer, it could be career-ending, it could be mm -hmm. career-limiting. Mm -hmm. You think about the police, the armed mm -hmm. services, you, the law, medicine, mm -hmm. you know, it can actually be quite jeopardising to actually say, to admit, so better to say nothing at all um, and you know talking to even talking to your mates will I be judged and this is what it all boils down to really is am I as a man if I really tell you what's going on will you will you how will you view me will you judge me will you call my masculinity my manhood into question um, and anything that might um, cause a diminishment in your perception of me as a man, actually, I may well not open up. And we need to challenge that. We need to make, it's not about safe spaces, but we need to allow men, you know, I talk to men and I have really fantastic conversations with men, but only when it's two of us in a room or, if, you know, and if there are more people, then it's a safe space and nobody's going to judge anybody else. And that's the wonderful thing that you have. You can have this, you know, this sort of 10 minutes per time limit on it it's usually about yeah. 10 minutes where you're kind of it's almost like a dance you're doing you're maybe circling each other a bit like um, you know stags perhaps yes, yeah. the challenge of it it's also yeah. a dance though and basically what's happening is can I trust you, you. can you trust me yeah. and this is yeah, this is a man and a woman as well it's mm. not just two men yeah. um, and really the groundwork's being paved and that moment when you say something like with Samaritans you know you say Samaritans are here to listen to people who are going through a difficult time, perhaps feeling suicidal, things so bad that they think about ending their lives. I wonder whether that's how you sometimes feel. Mm -hmm. Quite often the answer comes yes. Mm -hmm. 
and that's when we as Samaritans really get to get to work. Mm-hmm. But that doesn't just happen. There has to be trust needs to be established. Mm-hmm. Can I trust you with what I need to tell you? Mm. Are you going to listen? Are you going to allow me to say my feelings, my way, without judgment? Mm. And that's hard to do. Do you know what I mean? It's not. Yeah. But what the society I'd love to live in is where anybody, male, female, doesn't matter, mm. you know, whatever your gender, whatever your sexuality, however old you are, all of those things, you can say your truth, your way, and it will be heard. And we still live in a world we hear, you know, man up, grow a pair, yeah, yeah. you know, shut up, uh, suck it up. Um, and I understand, you know, there is bravado and all of those things. But if you're really struggling, that's not, that's, those words are not helpful. Um, and I'm not saying we should all be going around sort of emoting all the time, but we should at least be able to turn to the people we care about, um, our mates, um, and allow them, you know, and, and, and listen and actively listen and say actually it's okay mm-hmm. and that's the great thing when I talk to people who have had that experience um, you know a young lad once said to me it's a fantastic thing he said um, when I was going through a difficult time and I was going to tell my mates it was a bit like asking a girl out you know if it went wrong he would be completely you know, pied you know it would be awful and he would be de- de- humiliated and devastated mm-hmm. Um, but actually when he did turn to his mates and say I'm going through this they were completely cool with it and you know but that, but it's the sense of trepidation about opening up that stops men from seeking help or certainly sits, you know, stops them from seeking help when they really need it which is much much sooner when we can actually do something about it you know what, what works, Matt, for men? Okay, so a number of things um, need to happen. I mean, like I was saying about you know, Samaritan being, you know, a confidential mm-hmm. service, mm-hmm. anonymity, mm-hmm. certainly non-judgmental. Mm-hmm. I think non, being non-judgmental for anybody, but particularly for men, is crucial to any sort of care, support, you know, uh, mechanism. Um, if you want to engage with men, I think you need to use very clear language. Don't beat about the bush. I think you need that real in-your-face um, language. Let's not dress it up in fancy words. Yeah. Um, and a sense of humour. Yeah. Okay? A sense of humour is really important. I think um, allowing people to retain their dignity. Mm-hmm. I think also you need to go to where men are. Okay? You can have the fanciest new clinic. You can yeah. have the fanciest new building. Mm-hmm. You know, you can make it just so. Guys aren't going to be going there. You need to take all of that and take it yeah. to... The pub, the club, yes, yeah. the football club, the rugby yes, club, the, yeah. you know, where men already are, where men feel comfortable. And I'm not saying these should be men-only spaces, um, but there's certainly places where guys feel comfortable. Um, those are things which I think can, can help. I, um, although as a Samaritan we think about, you know, feelings, and often people say, well, how do you feel about that? How do you feel can be a really powerful question, but it can be really mindless. Mm. Oh, how do you feel? Mm. I'm quite in touch with my emotions, mm-hmm. okay? Mm-hmm. But if you ask me how I feel now, yeah. you know, there's a number of things. You yeah. know, so, you know, you know, I'm comfortable, I'm, but I'm thinking about this, I'm, yeah. I'm a bit hungry. I'm like, yeah. It's not helpful. Yeah. You're not getting to know me through that. Yeah. Actually, when you listen to somebody, when you genuinely listen to somebody, you can hear the emotion behind the words. If someone's telling you a sad story, 
you have to ask how they feel because they sound sad. You mm. sound out sad. You sound angry about that. Mm. You sound really hurt by that. Mm. Um, and so I would, n- I try not to label feelings with men. Um, it's about listening. It's not saying how do you feel. Tell me more about that. Allow guys to tell a story. Really allow that to happen because in those instances, men are finding their own way forward in their own words, which I think is really important. Again, it's true for everybody, but particularly important for men. I would also say that the language we use around emotions with men, um, you know, sometimes people talk about things like distress or, you know, oh, that's really upsetting, that's really distressing. Um, I don't think these are words that guys really respond to. I would use more dynamic words, more action-based words. That sounds tough. That sounds like a struggle. Sounds like you're struggling with that. That's all. You're really battling with this right now. Mm. Um, and that's not to say you know the, the words has to be gendered, but I think men respond to that sense of a, an active component mm-hmm. rather than you know and distress. I think there are words which, which rightly or wrongly, are either more masculine or feminine. Mm-hmm. Feminine. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's about using those. I would also use guys' words back yeah. to them. So if a guy says, I'm feeling fucking shit. Yeah. Can you tell me more about feeling shit? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, you know, if they hadn't said that, I wouldn't use it. Yeah. But I think it's using that language. It's yeah. also the tone. Mm-hmm. Um, and I hear myself changing gear a bit, you know, and that's not, and I'm not dissembling. I'm just allowing that person. We should be, you know, matching that person's pace. Yeah. But I think humour is really important. Yeah. And I think the best way to get men involved in any um, service or any uh, project you work on, include men mm-hmm. in, its, in, its, in its creation. Mm. And if it's for middle-aged men, for goodness sake, get middle-aged men to do it. If it's an older man, you know, the, the great tragedy is that suicide in the over 75s is really high, both for men and women. Right. We don't really talk about it. It's not mm. because it doesn't, it's not headline grabbing. Um, but that's something you know. If you but if you're going to do a service, I hope you do. You know, combating loneliness mm-hmm. and feelings of end of life mm-hmm. and uh, feelings of, of old age and, and all of those comes. Then for goodness sake, don't get me to design it. Get somebody thirty years older yeah. to do it yeah. and involve them and yeah. listen and and really do that. And that's the best campaigns I've ever seen are the ones which have been designed. For, you know, which are for men have been designed by men had men's input. And the and the language is salty. Perhaps it takes balls to talk. Yeah. Um, you know. Um, you know, feeling shit. Yeah. I, you know. And even that's a hard sell for people. You know. I, you know. In the NHS, that's quite a difficult thing to, to you know to clear. <laughs> but I think we, if we if we're really serious about how we engage with men, we have to we have to yeah. bite the bullet and do yeah. what's appropriate. So those are just a handful of things. Yeah. Um, so I, I can think of um, testicular cancer. Mm. Their um, website is is called. Um, it's in the bag. Yeah. So it's humour. Yeah. It's, uh, it's, hum- yeah. it's you know exactly what it's about. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. yeah and, and I think that's that's the key thing. And it isn't euphemism mm. because I think there's you know because euphemisms more things like oh they passed away they you know yeah. I I think you really need to use languages head on. But it should be it should be slightly tongue in cheek, yeah. and that's where the magic happens. Mm-hmm. And so that's why the campaign gets different mystery. I'm yes. hugely proud yeah. to have been involved with yeah. them, to continue Fantastic. to be involved with them, yeah. um, because actually their their whole approach is male focused, and mm-hmm. it's no um, surprise. Eighty percent of people who call the Calm Helpline open mm-hmm. five till midnight mm-hmm. are men, mm-hmm. and the other twenty percent 
are often women who are worried about the men in their lives yeah. and a very, very small core of young women who perhaps are self-harming um, and but, but are attracted by the vibrant... Because um, I mean, the campaign against Mis- Living Miserably's material is cool. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. You know, Professor Green's the patron. Yes, uh, yeah. They've got a huge, fantastic am- ambassadors. Mm-hmm. It has a sense of aesthetic... Mm. Which actually appeals to young people mm-hmm. um, and to anyone. So, and I certainly, you know, wouldn't begrudge any anybody should be able to get the help that they need. And if you know, if it can't cause Samaritans, well, there's papyrus if you're under thirty. Um, there's calm if you're a man. Yeah. There are, you know, there are myriad services now, and I, I'm not precious about it. I'm really keen that whoever it is finds, you know, their way forward, their own way. Um, so is your message that don't wait until you feel an, you're yeah. in, in crisis? Yeah. Yeah. Is, is that difficult? Hugely. Yeah. Hugely for certain people. Yeah. It's really difficult because what it, what it requires is for somebody to say, first of all, to recognise they have a, an issue. Yeah. And if you're self-medicating, if you're drinking, if you're, yeah. you know, um, taking drugs or you, you know, hedonistic lifestyle, you mm-hmm. kind of, you may be pushing all of that to the back of your mind. You then have to acknowledge that actually by seeking help, it will have ramifications. A diagnosis, mm-hmm. medication. Mm-hmm. Um, and I talked to a young woman who said, you know, she was describing her how she felt. She's only young. She didn't want to go to a GP. I wanted to find out sort of why she didn't want to go to the GP. It was, you know, wasn't going to tell her to go. I just wanted to ask curious. I just wanted to know why she didn't want to go. And she was describing her symptoms, what she's going through. It was very clear, oh, you know, you know, you'd have to be a clinician to realise that she was suffering from depression mm. or a version of. And when I, we talked and I allowed her just to tell her story, in the end she, she said, I really need to go to the doctor. I wonder why you haven't gone. And she said, well, I don't want to be labelled. Mm. I don't want to have a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be put on medication. I don't want every single relationship that I have for the rest of my life to have that conversation to say, I have X or I am a Y, you know. Mm-hmm. It's really powerful stuff. Mm-hmm. For, you know, some people like to have a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it explains things. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? But not yeah. for everyone. No, don't yeah. label me. Don't, you know. So everybody's different. But, it, you know, you can see that, the, that that's just a one, one barrier and I think once you've realised you have an issue and you need to get help, that's quite scary. Mm. Think about the difficult conversations. Um, and sometimes it's just easier not to. It will sort itself out. Mm. Now, that's fine if it's just a sort of tickly cough or something. But not if you've got a lump on your testicle. Not of, mm. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and often people, you know, one of, the, one of men's reticence, or, or guys sort of say, is... Older people need it more. What about the women and the kids? Mm. So it's not that men are silly, silly men not taking their health seriously. Yeah. It actually comes from quite a noble place. Yes. You know, as men, you know, there is, uh, you know, rightly or wrong, there's a sort of pressure to kind of, you know, put other people first. Protect. Yeah, care to protect, goods. to care. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, To not make a fuss, mm. actually. Allow people to do that. And that's something quite noble and, and you know, that's quite old-fashioned and nice notion but not if you have a life-threatening condition potentially and sometimes people need to do that so I would say 
if you if you if you're worried about something, talk to somebody. Somebody trust. Doesn't have to be a doctor. Doesn't have to be Samaritans. Doesn't have to be a health professional. It could just be your mate. It could just be your missus. It could just be anybody. Yeah. You know, but talk. I would much rather people pick up the phone and call Samaritans if they just had a bad day, they had an mm. argument at work. They they just angry. You know, they're mm. just fed up. Mm. Um, and we might, you know, we'll explore suicidal thoughts and feelings potentially, you know, if they're sort of saying, you know, we, and it would just be, do you ever feel so badly that you think you're ending your life? And you might say, well, no, not. Yeah, that's fine. You can carry on talking. You don't have to be suicidal to call Samaritans. And we'd much rather people called early. Um, the call I dread, or, the, or the, rather the call which is just harder to deal with, is when somebody very calmly phones and says, well, I've been phoning you guys for weeks, months, years sometimes. Yeah, you'd be fantastic. You give me so much support and I'm appreciative of that. But I just want to tell somebody that I've made up my mind. Mm. And I envelopes on the kitchen table, you know, my affairs are all in order and I just want to say goodbye. Mm-hmm. And that's a very difficult because, you know, they're not raving, they're not you know, they're not mad. They've made a decision. Decision that makes sense for them, and they feel very calm. That's a very difficult call to to unpick. Mm-hmm. Of course, we try. Yeah, we're not going to talk anybody out of suicide, but we will listen to them mm-hmm. and just explore what their their thoughts and feelings are. You know, and hope that the fact that they've called Samaritans might indicate that there may still be some room. There's some hope. You know, but we respect people's decision once they've made it. You know, so it's really important to allow people the dignity um, of their own, of, you know, to have them their own autonomy. Because yeah. how dare I, mm. you know, insert myself into someone else's life. I've no, you know, we might, you know, the longest call I think I've ever taken at Samaritan is about two and a half hours, three hours. That's a, you know, it's a long call. Yes. But that's a fraction, a micro-fraction of that person's life, their experiences, mm. you know. And then you're taking the control and it's really important that the control stays with them. Absolutely. I don't want to infantilise people. You know, their reality is their reality. Mm. Um, again, it takes courage to actually allow somebody to express those things, no matter how abhorrent they may be to us, mm. you know, um, how troubling they are to us, is to allow them to be themselves and not to panic, not to feel the need to intervene mm. and just be there and allow that person to make their choices in their own, you know, their thoughts, in their own words, in their own way, um, and allow that person to find their own way forward, whatever that way forward is. We may approve of it, we may disapprove of it. That, that Frankly, I don't care what I think, what you know, other people think. It's about the person right at the centre who's going through that time, whether it's cancer diagnosis um, and their response to it or whatever they're going through. I think that um, a lot of people with a cancer diagnosis really feel out of control. Yeah. They can't see what's going on. They've got a cancer diagnosis. And a lot of, um, Mark and I were talking about this earlier, they, they're angry. Yeah. They're really angry. Yes. And um, I went to a conference the other day and this chap said to me, well, complimentary therapies. He said, that doesn't interest mm. me. Aromatherapy. I said, well, great. What, what do you? What, yes. what do you want? What would, what would, yeah. you, what would work for yeah. you? And he said, we well, actually wrote an email later and he said, I think a drumming. Yes. He said, to drum away the anger yes. of having cancer. Whether it's a punch bag yeah. or, or, or yeah. something physical to yeah. do that. And that's allowing somebody 
that's fantastic to allow somebody to do that. And, and you know, we shouldn't be afraid of anger. No. You know, and this is one of the issues around male help seeking is that guys don't want to be angry and upset somebody, mm. but they are angry. Mm. And we should allow people to be angry. Absolutely. And we shouldn't be afraid of the anger um, because the anger is not, you know, it's not directed at us. Mm. It's at ah, everything. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's finding a way that is meaningful for people. And, you know, aromatherapy therapy will work for some people. Yeah. It won't for others. Yeah. We have to allow... The, the, you know, the people to be themselves there's so many cultural issues around all of these things yes. and we should be alive to that yes. you know yeah. you know my dad um, had cancer and um, you know he he had his leg amputated because of cancer um, and it was really important to him to he wanted to walk out of hospital um, after the amputation um, and he wasn't far off you know but he had been a runner all his life and a cyclist and mountaineer and all of these things, you know. So what he wanted to do was very different from other people's, but that was really important to him. So actually allowing him to make the, have those things, the things that are important to him, the motivate yeah. him, you know. And when he was offered counselling, he was slightly, well, why, why would I need that? Again, the classic sort of, you know, other people need, may, yeah. may want that, not, yeah. for, not for me. And yeah. again, that's, that's fine. Yeah, it's okay. But I want to walk out of hospital. Yes. That's what yes. I want to do. He, that's exactly yeah. what I want to do. And so if you can empower me to do yes. that, then... Then, then we can talk and yeah. we can make it happen. Mm. And that's what I want. That's important to me. Yeah. You know, and when the end came, you know, the palliative nurses came and were talking about what he wanted. He didn't care whether he died in hospital or at home. He just wanted... Um, his his dignity really um, you know and I was able to you know he wanted to shave mm-hmm. um, and my brother and I helped him to shave and it was sort of slightly slightly difficult but you know that was important to him he was the stubble you know his three or four day growth was really kind of irritating to him mm-hmm. and you know again I wouldn't say that everybody who is in that situation would, would, would want to shave he did and it's responding to that mm-hmm. And of course, as, as his sons, that was a kindness we could do for him. But I think, you know, as anybody working alongside somebody in that situation, you listen, don't you? And you, and you try and do what you can to, make, to help that person make sense of it for them. Matt, and I know that this was only um, just over a week ago that your dad died. Yes, he did, so yeah. yes. I, I just really want to say thank you so much uh, for coming here this afternoon because it's so... Uh, it's been really, it's really um, a, a wonderful thing for you to to do. Well, I'm, I'm thank, well, thank you. And I'm, I'm like, well, I, well, I wanted to do it, you know, for, for Dad as, as yeah. well, because actually, you know, and and part of this whole business of being a Samaritan for ten years is that it gave me a whole set of skills and an attitude or attitudes that actually I could be alongside my dad while he fought cancer, mm-hmm. and when the end came. I was able to really be present in that moment. And I couldn't have done that 10 years ago. Before I was a Samaritan, before I'd gone, you know, had my own psychotherapy and all this sort of yeah. stuff, I could not have done it. And it's and it's really important that I, sh- I feel I want to share, share that because actually I feel really grateful, really thankful that I've had this wonderful experience as a volunteer and I could carry on volunteering mm-hmm. But that I was able to to live it 
Mm. and make it real for me and that's a wonderful thing yeah. and I have you know the, the wonderful thing for me is that although dad was you know gravely ill and was ill for some time yeah I didn't waste that time there's nothing that I I haven't said to my dad that I needed to be said mm-hmm. you know I'm going to miss him like yeah. hell yeah but I'm really thankful I had that time with him and I couldn't have done it yeah without being a Samaritan Matt thank you so much for coming this afternoon. It's been an absolute great experience for uh, me. It's going to be a great experience for people to listen to. So thanks. Pleasure. Thank you. This was a My Cancer, My Choices production. Complimentary therapy from us to you. For more information, visit mycancermychoices.org.